Joel Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth and the greatness of the nation, the prosperity of the nation, the upward mobility of people who live in this nation. It's all under very direct threat. This is not a partisan issue. It should be a survival sanity issue. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the fact that, at least according to the Secretary of the Treasury, who is the top financial officer in the government, and she's also been the head of the Federal Reserve in the past, Janet Yellen, Thursday, that's two days from now, one, two, we are about to hit our debt ceiling, and that that means we run out of ability to pay our bills as a country. Uh, what is this all about and what is going to happen and why is it if we are so close to hitting our debt ceiling that people aren't more panicked about what uh, basically Republicans and Democrats, everyone agree, would be a catastrophe? And how do we turn these lemons and this looming catastrophe into a better situation for the country? Nobody to talk about better than uh, on this subject than Peter Coy, who has written about economics for the leading economics journals in the country, now does it for the opinion section of the New York Times. And he has been <clears throat> covering topics like this one for four decades. Um, Peter, <laughs> why are we in this situation right now? And doesn't it seem like both sides are handling it horribly? Yeah, yeah. We're in this situation because ever since 1917, the U.S. has had some form of a debt ceiling. What that means is there's a limit on how much debt the federal government can have. And so you, you incur debt, of course, when you have deficit spending. You have to borrow. And uh, as that as you approach your ceiling, then you either have to raise the ceiling or you you can't borrow anymore, which means you can't run the government because the government's in a deficit situation. You'd have to somehow incredibly drastically cut spending so much that the outgo in terms of Social Security, Medicare, defense, et cetera, et cetera, did not exceed the income from tax revenue. And we are so far from a balanced budget right now that uh, to, to just flip a switch like that and suddenly uh, not incur any more debt would be pretty pretty crazy, pretty, pretty disastrous. And it would have an impact on the entire world economy, would it not? Yeah. And so then the other thing might would happen is we would just default and because uh, because another big expense is just paying the interest on the existing debt. Uh, you know, if you stopped paying interest on the existing debt, that would also be catastrophic for world financial markets, for which U.S. Treasury securities are a, a vital component. So, yeah, it, it pretty much as you said in your intro, everybody agrees that a, a default by the United States would be disastrous. And so would somehow trying to live under the existing debt ceiling. There are people will disagree over whether the United States needs a balanced budget, and even if they agree that it does, how quickly it could possibly get to that stage. But nobody really thinks that you could do it overnight. 
Okay, so um, first of all, when they say that we hit the debt ceiling on Thursday, um, uh, basically um, the uh, shield, the Secretary of the Treasury will move some funds around, and and they're and right. they're actually talking about June as the real deadline, right? Right. Yes, that that's a good point. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, the, the debt ceiling technically gets reached Tuesday, but because the government has this has happened before, so the Treasury Department knows a bunch of tricks and gimmicks that it can use to stretch out the date. Um, for, for example, uh, temporarily suspending payments into federal employees' retirement plans with a promise to restore the money later once the debt ceiling is raised. Things like that can be done, and as I said, those might last to roughly June, um, so it would probably be maybe in the third quarter of the year, the July to September quarter, that the tricks would run out, and then we really would be in trouble and would have to raise the debt ceiling. The problem is that a bunch of uh, Republicans, as a condition for electing Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House, insisted that uh, McCarthy not raise the debt ceiling without major, major cuts in federal spending, the Democrats are saying, no, we want what we call a clean debt ceiling raise. That is unconditional, just raise the debt ceiling. And so the Democrats want to have that argument about spending later. The Republicans essentially want to force the issue right now. This is a form of leverage they have, and they plan to use it. Yeah, President Biden the other day said he won't even negotiate. And right, it, 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 that seems provocative. Oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, come on. It's it's like a game of chicken, and we're talking about it my is. life savings and yours, right? I mean, right. this this would, if this nightmare actually came true, and and we've we've had so many nightmares recently, if this actually came true, I mean, what would that mean for people who? have any investments at all or any stake in this economy at all? Well, everybody has a stake in the economy, whether you have investments or not. You have a job uh, or you rely on people who have jobs. So, yeah, it, it would hurt everyone. Um, that's why it, it sort of can't be allowed to happen. But as you described it well, it's a game of chicken, and nobody wants to crash uh, when two cars are zooming towards each other. But it, like who's going to be crazier and we don't know yet who's going to be crazier um that's why so many people are just saying look let's just get together make a plan and do it now i'm, I'm planning to write something about sort of some of the more sensible ideas for either reducing spending or raising taxes somehow dealing with the very large budget deficits we have now that's you know, politicians from the left and right can disagree about exactly what that formula should be, but those are the kind of conversations we should be having now, not some some sort of bravado about who's who's going to push to the edge of the default of the United States. Okay, so some of those ideas that uh, uh, that might even have a chance of getting a Democratic buy-in. What, what you have here is Republicans doing something that most Republicans feel very deeply, which is that, yes, we should bring the budget closer into balance. We shouldn't continue yeah. borrowing our way into oblivion. So right. what could be done now without crashing the economy and uh, sending us all back to the Stone Age? 
So what I imagine happening here is that each side will have to move away from its extreme vision. Democrats will probably have to move away from their demand for a completely clean debt ceiling increase to make some either formal or informal commitment to taking some sort of action on uh, spending, presumably spending. I don't think Republicans want to have higher taxes. Um, and that might clear the way, although as we've seen, uh, the reason people are especially worried about it this time is that we just went through this incredibly uh, contentious election of McCarthy as speaker, and they saw just how hard some of the hardliners are willing to be, how intransigent. And so if they did this to their fellow Republicans, imagine what they're going to do when they have a chance to uh, put this screws on the Democrats. Okay, when we come back, um, let's let's talk about, uh, with Peter Coy of the New York Times, how you at least turn one of the cars or both of them so they don't crash into each other and hurt a lot of innocent bystanders. Uh, we will be right back with Peter Coy coming up on the MedVet Show. The Michael Medved Show, back with Peter Coy, uh, who writes about economics, business, and finance for opinion in the New York Times. And uh, across the street from the New York Times, well, not exactly, but across the street ideologically, is the Wall Street Journal, uh, which editorializes today, the lead editorial, all of which means... Republicans will have to pick their spending targets carefully, explain their goals in reasonable terms so they don't look like they want to default, and then sell this to the public as a united team. The worst result would be for Republicans to talk tough for months, only to splinter in a rout at the end and be forced to turn the House floor over to Democrats to raise the debt limit with nothing to show for it. Uh, the last time... We had this kind of conf confrontation was 2011, right, under the Obama administration. And how'd that yeah, turn that was out? A bad one. Yeah, well, eventually it was passed, but the uh, Standard & Poor's actually lowered the credit rating uh, on the United States debt by a, by a tick. Uh, it was more embarrassing than anything else. It didn't end up having a huge effect on borrowing costs, but it was sort of a shot across the bow saying, look, you guys got to get your act together here. And uh, in in terms of um, the kind of concession that you're writing about, where actually we could make some progress toward uh, reducing the levels of deficit and um, maybe someday beginning to reduce the the levels of debt, where we could make some progress on that and then but go ahead without provoking a, a huge national economic crisis international economic crisis what yeah. what kind of yeah. things could the republicans take home to the base the party base and say look we we got something here i think the the, the republicans have a bigger problem on this than the democrats do because 
the Republicans are less willing to consider raising taxes as part of the package. Um, so they've got to come up with ideas strictly on the spending side for political reasons. That's how they were voted into office. And yet they know that cutting Social Security and Medicare are incredibly unpopular, yet those are huge parts of the federal budget. And then the defense spending, there are some Republicans now. Republicans are always a strong on defense party. There's now a wing of the Republican Party that is uh, very open to cutting defense spending and sort of the Tucker Carlson types uh, who say we should get out of Ukraine. But the, that's that's an issue that really, really divides the Republican Party. There's no unity around that at all. So back to the point, if you declare Social Security, Medicare and defense off the table, and of course, interest expense is off the table because you have to pay interest, then there, there are just no good options left for cutting substantial amounts of money that would make a real difference in the deficit. And uh, so the most likely outcome of uh, this um, uh, speeding cars headed for a crash? I would guess that there will be uh, attempts to paper over um, just help help uh, say the Republicans save face so that they can say they got a victory for their constituents. Um, but it will probably not result in massive uh, spending cuts. And I also don't think it will result in massive tax increases. So it's probably going to be a lot of sturm and drang without much real change. And uh, for long-term real change, I know there are Republicans who are trying to bring back something that in the Gingrich era, they were close. They were just a couple of votes away in the U.S. Senate from passing a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution. Uh, are yeah. the, is the GOP going to go back to that? Well, there are certainly people who favor it, but it's putting something – into an amendment that you can't even pass with regular legislation is kind of silly. It's like, uh, we really, really mean it this time. Well, if you mean it, then just pass a budget that's balanced. You know, you don't have to, like, put it up and shrine it up there along with a freedom of the press or, you know, term limits or something. And, uh, again, uh, so let's say they, they paper this over. Is that paper papering over um, maybe going to cause an increase in what people are paying into Social Security or some kind of uh, change in the efficiency of Social Security so that they can pretend that it's not a cut? Um, I, it's tough to visualize how exactly right. they, they, they put perfume on this pig. Okay, so – Let's to separate two things. One is what are real options for dealing with the budget deficit versus what's actually going to happen. So I don't cover politics, so I don't have a real detailed sense of how this is going to work out in the halls of Congress. But but I have looked at some of the options for how you would get closer to a balanced budget over time, and they include things like you know means testing of Social Security, 
to make it more progressive. So rich people would get a smaller Social Security payment, raising the retirement age for Social Security. I'm not advocating these things. I'm just saying that these are some of the things that would make a meaningful difference. Um, on the uh, defense side, you know, building fewer aircraft carriers, um, on Medicare, uh, finding ways to cut costs of Medicare through, um, you know, market forces uh, or some limits on benefits. Again, these are just the options that are on the table. On the on the uh, tax side, you know, maybe roll back some portion of the tax cuts that were in the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So those are the kind of ideas that you can imagine uh, would be passed uh, if Congress really were serious about trying to reduce budget deficits. Now, they don't need uh, 60 votes in the Senate on this. They don't need uh, reconciliation, do they? they? You can pass with 51 votes in the Senate and 418 votes in the House? Uh, 200. You can pass with a majority. Sorry. The, the, um, I think that the Senate could filibuster this. But again, that's not my area, so I don't want to make a mistake. Uh, it's definitely not an easy thing to get through, and there's definitely opportunity for some grandstanding here. Yeah, I can, can just imagine Senator Cruz. He did so well with that the last time. Uh, Peter Coy, uh, actually looking at the uh, looming. Uh, crisis, and it's a big one. Uh, what does the conservative Wall Street Journal say about actually trying to bring the party together at least so it's not wildly divided on this issue of the debt ceiling? We'll get to that and to China's population shrinking for the first time since the 1960s. That comes. Give it four stars. And on the Michael Medved show, the uh, Wall Street Journal editorial today, very brilliant beginning, and they're entirely correct. They say the first rule of political negotiation is never take a hostage you're not prepared to shoot. That's advice for House Republicans to contemplate as they gear up for a high-stakes showdown with President Biden over raising the federal borrowing limit. And by the way, President Biden has been a first-class jerk. I mean, just jerk to keep saying, we're not going to negotiate anything here. There's nothing to talk about. We can't negotiate. How do you say that? You've just lost the House of Representatives, Mr. President. You lost it. Yes, it was closer than it usually is. Usually uh, people on the out party do better, but... The people of the United States voted by a fairly substantial margin. More people voted for Republicans running for the House than voted for Democrats. It's more than what you'd think with that five-seat margin. And the idea that you're not going to negotiate, how is that constructive? How is that even adult? I mean, this is honestly like seven-year-olds, maybe six-year-olds, maybe toddlers, except Toddlers are endearing. The U.S. will reach its uh, $31.4 trillion limit on gross federal debt on Thursday. And Treasury is resorting to special measures that uh, on present revenue trend can delay default into the spring. 
Speaker Kevin McCarthy has promised his members he won't move to raise the limit without spending concessions from President Biden. But Mr. Biden says he won't negotiate at all over the debt limit. Something or someone has to give because the debt limit has to be raised. They write, the U.S. has already borrowed and spent the money. And debt held by the public is a contract. Nobody sane in Washington wants to be blamed for triggering a default. And the bond market ructions it would cause, which mean, which means it almost certainly won't happen. Republicans are right, they write, to want to stop the reckless spending trends of the last four years. U.S. debt held by the public is now about 100% of GDP, up from 39.2% as recently as 2008 and uh, 77.6% in 2018. So you've gone up from 77% to 100% of the GDP that is the uh, debt held by the public. The cost of financing that debt is rising fast along with interest rates and interest on the debt will take up increasingly large shares of federal revenue. Priorities like national defense will be squeezed. And by the way, national defense isn't lavish, uh, even technological breakthrough new weapons. This is building stuff that we need. Uh, it, it is not inconceivable that the United States is going to have to defend Taiwan. President Biden has already said to his credit that he means to do that. That, that China cannot, and, and given the fact that China is so increasingly desperate with their economic situation and that their population bomb has exploded, but it's a bomb in a different direction, not too much growth in population, but uh, too many losses. The, uh, uh, now to switch for a moment from the Wall Street Journal, New York Times the world's most populous country has reached a pivotal moment. China's population has begun to shrink after a steady years-long decline in its birth rate that experts say is irreversible. The government said on Tuesday, that would be today, that 9.56 million people were born in China last year, while 10.41 million people died. It was the first time deaths had outnumbered births in China since the Great Leap Forward, Mao Zedong's failed economic experiment that led to widespread famine and death in the 1960s. How much famine? How much death? They lost at least 25 million people. Starved to death in China. And it only 60 years ago. Data released on Tuesday showed that the Chinese economy last year had one of its worst performances since 1976, the year that the evil dictator Mao died. After the last four decades, over the last four decades, China emerged as an economic powerhouse in the world's factory floor. The country's evolution from widespread poverty to the world's second largest economy led to an increase in life expectancy that contributed to the current population decline. More people were living longer while fewer babies were being born. They had that one-child policy. That trend has hastened another worrying event, the day when China will not have enough people of working age to fuel its growth or to take care of all those seniors. 
In the long run, we are going to see China as the world has never seen it before, said Wang Feng, a professor of sociology at University of California at Irvine who specializes in China's demographics. It will no longer be the young, vibrant, growing population. We will start to appreciate China uh, in terms of its population as an old and shrinking population. It's not good for an economy. Government handouts like cash for babies and tax cuts have failed to change the underlying fact that many young Chinese people simply do not want children. Yeah, no, and and again, the uh, the other report from National Review, the uh, news led one official to note that China is entering an era of negative population growth. The last time China experienced a population decline was during the Great Leap Forward, with death estimates raising from 23 to 55 million citizens uh, dying from widespread famine and mass starvation. That's of a total of 75 million, and that's honestly the best estimate. Think about the 75 million people dead in China from a cultural revolution and the Great Leap Forward and the various five-year plans. Demographers cite China's one-child policy initiated in 1979 as the leading culprit for the country's cratering population. I don't think there's a single country that's gone as low as China in terms of fertility rate and then ever bounced back to the replacement rate. That means that you have enough kids to replace the old people who are dying, said Philip O'Keefe, a professor at the University of California. The government tried to offset earlier missteps by easing the one-child policy in 2016 and incentivizing family benefits in 2021, but those... Uh, efforts initiatives have failed to reverse its plummeting birth rate. Strict zero COVID policies have continued to plague economic productivity. In 2022, China's economy grew at 3%, its second worst gross domestic product growth since 1976, with a birth rate of uh, 16.42 per 100,000 people. India is set to assume the mantle of the world's most populous country this year. Uh, so a, a dangerous China facing this kind of economic crash, and, and this at the same time that we are hoping to avoid a uh, major recession. Military readiness, as the Wall Street Journal, suffered greatly until Republicans began to trade defense increases for social welfare increases during the late Obama years and the Trump years. The world is more dangerous now with Russia invading Ukraine, China threatening Taiwan, Iran getting closer to a nuclear bomb, and jihadists far from defeated. Some evidence of what those jihadists are doing right now, uh, not just to people, but to mannequins. That and more coming up on the Medved Show. The last remaining warrior must use his skill to take down a city of corruption. Michael Medved.
the Michael Medved Show. It's not all bad news. Uh, there is good news from yesterday from uh, Italy, uh, where they captured the last of its elusive Sicilian mob bosses, whose name was Matteo Messina Denaro. He had been in hiding for 30 years, during which time he reportedly had a series of lovers and played a lot of video games. He faces multiple life sentences for a long list of violent and grisly offenses. How was he caught? He had uh, gone to a clinic with a sheet of paper in his hand containing the negative result of a COVID test, a mandatory requirement for those like him who have to undergo therapy and a series of blood tests. He is battling cancer. What's fascinating about this is how they actually tracked him down and it 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 is a, one of those representations about how grateful we should be for police services that take care of a guy like this and and the idea of the sicilian mafia this is not romanticized versions like the godfather these are incredibly brutal people who have killed politicians who stand up against him and uh, what happened is the uh Mr. Messina Denaro, writes the Times, managed to control the western Sicilian province of Trapani even when he was in hiding. Besides his bloodlust, he was known for his business savvy, managing assets and infiltrating legal economic enterprises, including wind energy companies. There you go. He enjoyed protection from a wide network of uh, mobsters. But also, the authorities said in a uh, strong suggestion of corruption, civilian mobsters. In other words, there are people who didn't want to be killed. And the killing was profound. The authorities said they had learned through their years of investigations and through wiretap conversations among the mobsters' associates that Mr. Messina Denaro suffered from a cancer that required special hospital treatments. The police then monitored a national database of patients seeking such treatments, and over time they narrowed the list down to a few names, including one they suspected to be the mafioso's alias. We skimmed down the list, said Pasquale Agelo Santo, a general with the Italian Carbonari police, uh, who commands their special division, and on Monday he added that authorities had a hunch, but the certainty came only this morning. Mr. Messino Denaro, wearing tinted glasses, a brown leather jacket trimmed in uh, shearling, a matching hat, and a uh, Frank Müller watch that authorities said was worth 35,000 euros, showed up with another man from the Trapani area at the hospital for his appointment. The uh, police had positioned themselves at the various entrances and stopped Mr. Messina Denaro on a side street. They checked his photo identity card, which looked official, and said that his name was Andrea Bonsfrede, the uh, name they were looking for. They uh, asked him his name. I am Matteo Messina Denaro. He replied, the authorities said. And they locked him up. And that is a, uh, a, a good thing. Not such a good thing is um, the story from Burkina Faso where uh, 
uh, armed assailants, Islamic radicals, kidnapped about 50 women in northern Burkina Faso, the uh, government said uh, yesterday. The latest security incident than the uh, landlocked West African country, which has been battling a jihadist insurgency since 2015. The women were abducted on January 12th and 13th as they were foraging for fruit outside two villages near the city of Arbinda. The regional governor said... No group has claimed responsibility as of Monday, but extremist groups linked to al-Qaeda and the Islamic State, both, have for years carried out attacks and kidnappings in Burkina Faso, killing tens of thousands and stripping nearly 2 million people, uh, 10% of the population, displacing them from their homes. Meanwhile, the world of the Taliban, under the Taliban the kinder, gentler Taliban that we were promised when we withdrew from, uh, from Afghanistan, uh, they have um, been extraordinarily brutal with women. Now, that kind of goes without saying, right? The conservative dress code for women and girls being imposed by the oppressive Taliban rules, this from hot air, is probably one of the most visible changes. An entire generation of young girls grew up under American-backed governance and could largely dress however they liked. Now all females must wear burqas with full head and facial coverings. Those who disobey face beatings, arrest, or the very real possibility they will simply disappear. Now, however, we're learning that the Taliban isn't satisfied with banning the viewing of human female faces they also require the faces of the female mannequins in dress shops to be covered as well. Under the Taliban, the mannequin and women's dress shops across uh, the Afghan capital of Kabul are a haunting sight. Their heads cloaked in cloth sacks or wrapped in black plastic bags. The um, hooded mannequins are one symbol of the Taliban's puritanical rule over Afghanistan, but in a way, they are also a small show of resistance and creativity by Kabul's dress merchants. Initially, the, the Taliban wanted the mannequins to be punished by beheading. No, they're, they're serious about this. The, uh, to anyone with Western sensibilities, the image of mannequins with face coverings probably sounds laughable, but those displays do seem to be a constant visual reminder of the Taliban's total control and oppression of the people they supposedly rule, particularly females. The rights of women in Afghanistan began to disappear the very moment the terrorist group took over the country. All of this happened despite the promises that the Taliban made to America and the world about having reformed and their vows to respect the rights of women and girls. It was all a lie just as so many of us predicted while they were rolling into Kabul. This uh, from a piece from Hot Air. Uh, but no will exists for another nation to go back in there and drive them out again. Certainly not the United States. So the people of Afghanistan appear to be stuck with what they now have. And uh, the idea that uh, with the activities in Burkina Faso, as far away as that, 
of the Islamic State and Al-Qaeda, they are still out there. They still want to destroy the United States of America. And to say that this is a time to cut back on our military is, is basically about as foolish as it could be. The, um, uh, uh, back in Africa, in Burkina Faso, the local branch of the Islamic State has kidnapped women in Nigeria and other countries, said uh, a senior researcher with the Institute for Security Studies based in Mali. The most notorious kidnappings happened in Nigeria, where in 2014, remember that, militants with the group Boko Haram stormed a Christian girls' school in the village of Chibok. Uh, Arbinda, which is this city in Burkina Faso and the broader Sahel region of Burkina Faso, have faced dwindling food supplies because of multiple blockades imposed by jihadist groups since last year. About 3.5 million people are projected to face severe food insecurity or starvation in the country this year, 2023, according to the World Food Program. Look, there are so many reasons to say, I mean, day after day after day, God bless America. And one of the reasons to say that is because America has successfully built up uh, tremendous progress in terms of race relations. But that is obscured by the idiotic, insane, and destructive way we count people and enumerate their races. We're going to be speaking to a professor who has written a book about this, about the foolishness of classifying people into black, white, Hispanic, Asian. What does that all mean? And why was it done starting in 1977? It's a fascinating and horrifying story, but one that needs to be told in this greatest nation on God's green earth. 